0: hello and welcome to another episode of cast into the fire podcast i'm sarah
1: and i'm sherry
0: and we are back to the fellowship of the ring chapter two the shadow of the past now before we begin the podcast i've got a couple of uh, announcements to make one is that our friend kenny plank has recently published a children's picture book the dance of the blueberry Ball it will be under Clarence Plank if you are looking it up on amazon and it's it's a cute little story about a blueberry themed dance so if you have want more stories to read to your kids or your kids are just you know learning how to read and you want something for them to practice or they just like blue they your blueberries
1: and it is a, a picture book, so there are you know uh, some beautiful artwork in in the book and uh uh Kenny, otherwise Clarence uh has several books on Amazon, so check them all out uh He's also you know a poet, as many of you know, and uh he has a lot of poetry books available and
0: He's always been supportive of us as podcasters yeah. and, and he's a um, good friend he's a good friend, so we you know, suggest if you're looking for something for kids you yeah, go we'll check it out um our second announcement is that I made an error some uh, quite a while ago when uploading episodes and I managed to not upload The Hobbit chapter 15 and 16, The Gathering of the Clouds and A Thief in the Night. And that has since been corrected. I've uploaded episode 35 in the correct spot and updated the episode numbers of everything else after that which actually puts us at 100 episodes before this one our 101st
1: yay
0: so if you found thought something was missing when listening to our hobbit ones it was and it's I'm sorry
1: up, for that and
0: it's up and you can go and uh listen to it if you want and so now on to the chapter itself. There has been a big time jump between uh, this chapter and the last one when Bilbo and Frodo had their joint birthday party. And...
1: Yeah, Frodo in the previous chapter was thirty-five, and Bilbo was a hundred and eleven.
0: Um, well, he was thirty-three, and
1: thirty-three. Uh, yeah, thirty-three. Oh. So actually a couple, two more years than I thought. So 17 years difference.
0: Yes, there has been a 17 year time jump between then and now. And now...
1: Frodo's fro- going to be having his 50th birthday.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, This may be confusing if you watch the movies because they skip that. You know, Frodo definitely isn't 50 in the movie. I think Elijah was 19 playing him.
1: Yeah, uh, Elijah would. I don't think he'll ever look 50.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he definitely could not have passed for 50 in the movie, and I believe that the time jump was entirely left out. Yeah. So he's fifty now. he's living in bag end. Bilbo has been gone for a while, and certain uh wild stories that aren't <laughs> they're not that far off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's he's become a story for the young hobbits, these mad Baggins who vanishes with a bang and a flash and reappears with bags of jewels and gold, a favorite character of legend and lived on long after all the true events were forgotten. Okay, I keep promoting this favorite game of mine a lot, but... Um, I don't know if this quest was a one-time thing, or whether they kept bringing it back. Mm -hmm. But they actually had a thing where you're supposed to go and collect stories, and, well, there were some Mad... Mad Baggins ones on... Um, this is Lotro again. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. They even had one where Mad Baggins becomes a caped hero. Which is uh, definitely a more modern sort of uh, easter egg there. But anyway, yes, on to the back to the actual book. The older generation of hobbits, now they also thought that Bilbo was mad. But, oh, he has gone off and fallen into a pool or a river, and has come to a, Tragic, but hardly an untimely end, and Gandalf is to blame. So, oh, none, none of them actually know where Bilbo is. They're just, you know, saying what they think happened.
1: Yeah, it says if only that dratted dragon would leave young Frodo alone. Wizard. (laughs) Perhaps he'd settle down and grow some hobbit sense. They said.
0: You said dragon. If only that dratted wizard leave young Frodo alone. But it seems that Gandalf was leaving Frodo alone, and he seemed to be settling into Bag End. But he continued to have a reputation for Oddity, too. Um, he kept celebrating Bilbo's birthday.
1: Yeah, he wouldn't go into mourning. Uh, others had thoughts that, of course, he had died, and... uh now he continued to celebrate the birthday he called Bilbo's 112th birthday hundredweight feast
0: and he only invited um 20 guests but you know he had a lot of food there so it was a good party and he continued to keep up this custom every year
1: right Well, it is convenient they share a birthday
0: and Frodo continued to live alone, just like Bilbo had, but he had friends um mostly um took relatives, and also um Boffin and Fredegar Bulger, who is mostly known as Fatty Bulger in this book.
1: Yeah, they and you have some uh, very interesting names.
0: Peregrine Took, nicknamed Pippin, and Mary Brandybuck, who is his full name was actually Meriadoc, but most didn't remember this. And uh, they would go you know, walking all over the Shire, and they'd even come back at night, which is apparently you know, so uh, weird to sensible folk.
1: If I could have more children, I'd be naming them like Mary, a duck, and all these other. Oh cool come names. on! If
0: if I lived somewhere significantly safer, and I, I live in kind of an urban, yeah, ish,
1: area area,
0: and didn't have responsibilities like having to be functional at work the next day. I mean, I wouldn't mind doing that sort of thing.
1: Mm.
0: It's not that weird. Yeah. And Frodo is also noted to have shown signs of good, uh, quote-unquote, preservation. He doesn't look like he's aging all that much. Like Bilbo before him.
1: And it's probably because the ring's... It, it is probably the ring. And Elijah Wood. ha, 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 ha.
0: And he's been starting to also think like Bilbo, maybe I should go off into the wild too and follow him across the river, which is the border of the Shire. Anything beyond the river is no longer Shire. And um, this is what's going on in his 40s and his 50th birthday drawing near... Which he felt was significant and ominous, because that was the age that Bilbo had gone on his adventure. Right. And he'd continue to look at maps, and maps made in the Shire don't show anything beyond the Shire; they just show white spaces. So he, it's not like he's looking at maps and like seeing all of Middle Earth and being like, "Oh, I want to visit this someday." He's looking at the white edges off of the map of the Shire.
1: Well, did did uh, Bilbo have any maps written up from his journeys? That you would he, think
0: that, he would have.
1: I would think he would have. So
0: I, you would think he would at least have kept, like, made a copy of the um, map the dwarves were using that shows yeah. the way to I the mountain. I he.
1: I imagine he did. I've always thought that. Uh, um, that Frodo had some access to something beyond what the locals knew. If this if this book were
0: deliberately written to both make you feel like the Shire is your home and you want to live there, but also feel some wanderlust for right. seeing all the other places too, like if it's not written on purpose that way, it may as well be.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> I would think. Um, Gandalf might bring maps when he travels
0: alright I'm not exactly uh, itching to go through a stroll through say Mordor Mordor, at least during the events of this book but um, I would want to see most of the other places yeah and in some way, I kind of think it's the the rangers who you're gonna meet in a later chapter that have it really good. They're not so far from the Shire that it's not like s- somewhat, you know, home-like Breeland. But they get to wander some. They got some dangers that the hobbits are not facing but right so anyway Bill B- Frodo and his friends are walking further and further out and sometimes they would meet strange wayfarers doesn't say who they are are Oh, wait, it does. Yes. <laughs> there are rumors of strange things going on outside. And on the east to west road that goes through the Shire, it goes to the Blue Mountains on one side, which is a mainly dwarven area. And then east it goes on basically all the way to, like, through Gondor and, like, if you were to follow it and follow it and follow it.
1: Now, does your copy of this have, um...
0: My copy has maps, but they're in the back.
1: Yeah. My my copy of this book you know, the Fellowship of the Ring doesn't have any maps at all and... I think it should. Yes, it definitely should. Uh, Maps are kind of, I say, an integral part of the whole trilogy and... When I was a
0: kid checking out these books from the library and I didn't quite have the attention span to fully get Lord of the Rings yet and read it all the way through and understand it. Mm -hmm. They had these three hardcover copies and they had maps. Yeah. Like all three books had the maps. Yeah. I have not seen that edition anywhere else, so it must have been an older one. Yeah. Yeah, my attention span with reading something that dense was not great. Back then, I remember thinking Smeagol was like a dragon thing, so... Yeah. Yeah, like, the taming of Smeagol and I'm like, dragon? (laughs) So anyway, yes, back to the east-west road that went through the Shire, and it went to the Grey Havens on one side, and dwarves would um, use that route a lot. And they were where the Hobbits were mostly getting news from elsewhere. But they didn't really talk to each other all that much. And Frodo often met them, and they... They were troubled, and they were speaking of an enemy and of the land of Mordor. Now, I'm not exactly sure where the dwarves were getting so much news from, considering they're even further from Mordor th- than the Shire is. But maybe they're getting messages from dwarves elsewhere, like yeah. the Lonely Mountain.
1: Right.
0: Which isn't close to Mordor either, but it's closer than the Shire is. Right. And that name didn't really mean much to Hobbits. They had some legends of the past, and they were dark, and um, it's described as, it's like a shadow in the background of their memories, ominous and disquieting. They don't really know what it is. You know, it's far away, it doesn't have to do with them. Right. Um, There had been an evil power in Mirkwood that was driven out by the White Council that had reappeared in greater strength in the old strongholds of Mordor, and the Dark Tower had been rebuilt, and the power was spreading far and wide, orcs were multiplying again, and trolls were abroad, and they weren't dull-witted anymore, and were armed with dreadful weapons.
1: So this power was Sauron.
0: Yeah, this power was Sauron. Yeah. If you remember the trolls from The Hobbit, they were absolutely not the brightest bulbs, and...
1: But they
0: were cute. Yes, these trolls are not cute, I think, is the... Yeah. Idea here. And this evil power being driven out of Mirkwood, that was Gandalf's pressing business away south when he left the dwarves on the edge of Mirkwood in The Hobbit. Yeah. Which I believe we did discuss when we were recording that. But if you didn't listen to those, that's what it was. Gandalf and Saruman and Radagast and Galadriel had gotten together to drive out an evil power that was in Mirkwood. And with it gone, the forest became a more wholesome place, but the power hadn't been destroyed and it had only moved elsewhere. Right. And most of the Ordinary Hobbits are not hearing this at all. Except for... At this point... They're starting to hear... Some form of strange things. And... You know, rumors are being heard you know, in the Hobbit pubs, the Green Dragon...
1: Now, the Green Dragon wasn't in Hobbiton,
0: right? It, it was, was by water, that's very close. Okay. It would be a, a reasonable walk from Hobbiton. Uh, the conversation is going on between Sam Gamgee and Ted Sandyman, the miller's son. And they're talking about the queer things that you hear these days. And Ted doesn't believe them. He thinks they're children's stories. Sam does believe some of them. He thinks there's some truth in them. Uh, Wonders who invented them anyway. What about dragons? The Shire doesn't get dragons. And... Um, Ted actually makes some kind of pun about there's only one dragon in Bywater, and that's green.
1: Yeah.
0: And tree men, giants, and that they say that one bigger than a tree was seen up on the North Moors, which is part of the Shire. It's kind of a bit of, of the more rural area of the already rural Shire, but it is part of it. And his cousin Hal, um, says that he saw one while he was hunting.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And, um, Ted thinks that Hal is always seeing things and maybe some of the things he's seeing are not really there. And oh, but this was as big as an elm tree, and it was walking seven yards to a stride if, if it was an inch. And Hal's reaction is that it then it wasn't an inch; it wasn't walking, it was an elm tree. Yeah. But this, but there aren't any elm trees, in the North Moors, and Hal can't have seen one, so that's how Hobbit uh, rumor spreading goes. Right. Uh, Sam Gamgee is uh, somewhat well known as a character. Ted Sandyman is not. He's barely uh, in the. I'm not even sure if he is for sure in the film. There... There's definitely various hobbits in the pub, but. Mm-hmm. Ted is an unpleasant sort. I mean, as far as hobbits go. um, He's totally in favor of, let's just say, certain forms of uh, oh, let's tear down the old mill that everyone likes and put up this new progress one. Let's develop the shire so it's more profitable but it's not how hobbits like it. So, maybe not the worst thing ever, but is how do I put it? He's not, he's he's progressive in a greedy way, and he's not friendly, and that's pretty much uh, the closest you're going to get to really bad in the Shire, because they're hobbits. Right. The other rumors include elves are starting to move west. They're going out to their uh, Greyhaven harbor um, beyond the White Towers. The hobbits don't really know how far off the sea is. It's not that far. There's a bit of mountain stuff in between. And because hobbits in general fear the sea so much, it's not like most of them are going out looking for it. Yeah, the elves are starting to leave, migrate, which, you know, might mean something. And Sam thinks that he might have seen an elf in the woods. And he hoped to see more of them. He was fascinated by the stories of the elves. And um, what he'd heard from Bilbo... And it head's like, oh, Bilbo was cracked. Photos cracking. Don't get your news from them. Yeah, he was in the movie because one of the pub hobbits said that. For some reason, I thought he was Noakes. And uh, then it explains um, Sam had gardening to do at Bag End. It's been a while since we did that first chapter. Did we cover that the Gamjis did gardening for Frodo? I think we did. The, Gam- the Gamgees, both Gap for Gamji and Sam Gamji, were gardeners for Bilbo. Bilbo being uh, rich and probably not doing all that much of his own gardening.
1: No, I think he was a country gentleman. Put on. Yes.
0: Well. Oh, Gandalf! Gandalf came back.
1: Yeah.
0: After his. Long absence. I'm a little confused on the timing here. And it's for three years after the party he had been away. And then he paid Frodo a brief visit. Okay. afraid it's kind of obvious that despite how many times I've read this, I didn't really do that much of my homework before I have the book open in front of me.
1: Yeah, we both have the book open in front. Gandalf has been
0: off and on showing up at Frodo's but you know years go by sometimes between his visits and he didn't discuss much of what he was doing on his journeys and he'd ask you know small you know, small talk about Photos, health and doings. But then for nine years he hadn't shown up and when he did he'd showed up and tapped on the window. Yeah. Gandalf tells Frodo he looks the same as ever, and on um, Frodo he says so to you, but he secretly thinks that Gandalf looks older. Uh, how that works? I mean, Gandalf is thousands of years old. What does a few years difference make? Well,
1: depends on what you go through in those few years. Maybe. And that's, I think, is exactly the implication. You can see that with people. Some people look like they've been through the mill. And, you know, they they end up being younger than you think they are, but they've had a tough life, and it shows. So Gandalf,
0: I guess, has stayed over, and they've had a breakfast. They're in the study, and Gandalf has out his uh, smoking pipe. Thinking of the day when Bilbo had first gone on his journey, and that's when um, Frodo he ha- he asked Gandalf again about the ring. You know, he said, "You said the ring was dangerous. Uh, to you know, tell me more about that." And um, Gandalf says that. It's more powerful than he'd ever dared to think at first. And it's so powerful that in the end, it would utterly overcome anyone of mortal race who possessed it. It would possess him. Um, Talks about how long ago in Eregion, which uh, if you want to know where that is on the map, it's on the western side of the Misty Mountains. Very close to them. Um, Known for its uh, holly trees, or in elvish, a reg. So, land of holly. Okay. Elven rings were made, or magic rings, as hobbits would call them. And there were various kinds, and some were more powerful, and some were less... And it says, the lesser rings were only essays in the craft before it was full-grown, and to the elven smiths they were but trifles, yet still to Gandalf's mind dangerous for mortals, but the great rings, the rings of power, they were perilous. Now, I don't actually know about these lesser rings, because all of the rings discussed in this book would be in the category of dangerous rings of power. Right. So apparently there were other lesser uh, magic rings that are not gone into, yeah. and I don't know what they do.
1: Maybe it was something that Tolkien was, uh I don't know, working on, but didn't share. I something. mean, there's
0: the one ring, and then as we'll be gone into more in this chapter, there are other rings of power that were possessed by kings of men, elves, dwarves, but those are all still rings of power. They're not... They're lesser compared to the one ring, but they're not really lesser rings. Right. Um, Gandalf goes on that if a mortal keeps one of the great rings, he's not going to die, but he's not going to grow or obtain more, more life. He's just going to continue till... Every minute is a weariness... And if he uses it to make himself invisible all the time... He's eventually going to make himself invisible permanently. But he'll still be under the eye of the dark power that rules the rings. Sauron can see you... Even if uh, regular people can't. And if... And it will happen sooner or later... Later, if the person is exceptionally strong or is well-meaning, but eventually the dark power will devour him, and Frodo is understandably... uh, That's terrifying, since he owns one and uh, hasn't been informed of this. To be fair, I don't think Gandalf until then had figured out that it was this particular ring. Right. So we warned Frodo it was dangerous and he shouldn't use it, but he didn't know how bad it was. And um, Frodo asked Gandalf if Bilbo knew. And Bilbo didn't know any more about either than he'd told about. You know, as far as Bilbo knew, it's pretty and you can make yourself invisible with it.
1: And I think Bilbo did use it on the occasion.
0: Oh well, yeah, if you don't want to see the Sackville Bagginses, you don't want to see the Sackville Bagginses.
1: That's right. But, uh... I think Frodo... He, he hasn't worn it in all these years. No, he hasn't. He's... On a chain. That's it.
0: And Bilbo had noticing the ring was, you know, kind of weighing on his mind... He's always thinking about it, but he he didn't realize the ring itself was making him do that, and he was noticing that it it seemed to not feel like it was always the same size or weight, so it could shrink or expand or fall off of his finger, where it had been tight on his finger before. Because, yes, somehow the ring does change. I guess it would kind of have to if Sauron can wear it and, you know, some little Hans Hobbit can wear it. I don't know how far it goes. Could Smog wear it? Uh. And... Frodo said that, yes, he had been warned about that in the letter, which is why he always keeps it on a chain. And Bilbo had never connected how long he had lived with the ring. But he was feeling thin and stretched and restless, and that was a sign that the ring was starting to get to him. Frodo asks Gandalf how long he's known all this. And yeah, Gandalf, he says that he's known much that only the wise know. The wise meaning wizards. But about this ring, he didn't know for sure. But he has just one more test he wants to make with it to confirm. But he's guessing that it is what it is. He said the Fed felt a shadow on his heart. Um. Before the Battle of Five Armies, when Bilbo found the Ring, I don't know what he means by that, unless he just got a bad feeling.
1: It sounds like a it's a bad feeling. It's like kind of a foreboding.
0: He wondered how Gollum could have gotten a hold of something like that. He doesn't believe the story about Bilbo winning it. Which, yes, this is a reflection back to when earlier editions of The Hobbit, Bilbo actually won it and Gollum gave it willingly, which the current form of Gollum would never have done. No. And then it got chalked up to, oh, Bilbo uh, fudged the truth a bit because he felt guilty. And that he actually found the ring the way he did.
1: And actually, my understanding is that Bilbo was the only one that has willingly, and even then he needed encouragement from Gandalf, willingly given up the ring. And he, he, you know, Mm. he left it behind when he left. He left it for Frodo.
0: Who has... Wisely not worn it yet. Right. So, even that Bilbo would be lying about it, that made Gandalf concerned there was some kind of an unwholesome magic with the ring because it's not like Bilbo to lie. And Gandalf thought about consulting with another wizard, Saruman the White. But something always held him back. And he is the chief of the Order of Wizards, the head of the council, great among the wise, and has a great amount of knowledge, but also pride. And he doesn't like, um, quote-unquote, meddling. And the study of elven rings is his thing. And when the rings were talked about in the council, anything he said about the rings went against his fears about this one. Now there might be a reason for it. If you, I like, know, it, if you know anything about the story at all, Sar uh, Saruman wants it.
1: Of course.
0: So, of course, he's not going to say anything that's going to make him less likely to get a hold of it.
1: Right. Bilbo
0: had seemed okay to Gandalf still as the years passed, and. Oh, he's so long-lived, but the Took's are very on his mother's side are very long-lived. It it might be genetic. But when the day that Bilbo left, yeah, his behavior about the ring had actually given Gandalf concern that this was something worse.
1: Yeah, he he sounded more like... Um, more like Gollum. Gollum, yes, absolutely. And he even referred to it as his present. His precious. His precious, yeah.
0: Gandalf said that after Bilbo had left, he had felt better at once. And... You know, there shouldn't be any permanent harm to Bilbo. And there's only one power in the world, that, this world, that knows all about the rings and their effects. And as far as he knows, there isn't any power in the world that knows all about hobbits. And only one of the wizards, or the wise as he calls them, has gone into studying hobbit lore. And I'm sure he's referring to himself here and hobbits are full of surprises as he puts it, soft as butter they can be and yet sometimes as tough as old tree roots and he thinks that they could resist the rings much longer than the wise would believe. And so now Gandalf feels responsible for Frodo and you know, he's concerned about the well-being of not only Frodo but hobbits in general. And it would be a grievous blow to the world if the dark power was to take over the Shire and all these, you know, kind as he puts it, kind jolly stupid bulgers, horn blowers, boffins, brace girdles, and the rest. Not to mention the ridiculous bagginses were to become enslaved. And Frodo was like, well, why would that happen? Why would he want hobbits as slaves? And it's just... No, it's not because of what use the hobbits working would be. It's just because he doesn't want to see hobbits... Sauron does not want to see hobbits happy and free, and he would want revenge for a hobbit keeping his ring. Right. And so now they're going to do their final uh, test to confirm with the ring. Gandalf asks for it. And even then, Frodo finds he doesn't want to give it over. It feels heavy on its chain. Gandalf asks him if there's any markings on it, to which, you know. Frodo notes there aren't any, it's plain, it doesn't have scratch, it doesn't show anywhere, it's just a plain gold ring, and Gandalf just flings it right into the middle of the fireplace, and Frodo right away grabs for the tongs to get it out, which shows even then it's having an effect because Frodo doesn't want the ring destroyed even after just hearing what it does, Right. I guess he's not... He's not so affected by the ring that he'd reach into the fire without the tongs, but...
1: Right.
0: And there's no apparent damage to the ring. And when it's taken back out of the fire with the tongs... By Gandalf... He just drops it right into Frodo's hand and it's 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 cool, take it, and sure enough the ring is not hot, but it feels even thicker and heavier and very fine lines of um elvish script are shown running around the ring both inside and outside. I don't find the ring replicas I've seen. I've, put
1: I've not seen them on the inside, on no.
0: Really? Frodo can't read the letters, but Gandalf can. And he says they're an ancient mode of Elvish, but the language is that of Mordor, which he will not enter here. But in the common speech... One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. And says that's only two lines of a long-known verse in elven lore. Three rings for the elven kings under the sky, seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone, nine for mortal men doomed to die, one for the Dark Lord on his dark throne. In the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness bind them. In the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. So. Yeah. I'm not sure how that bit of poetry Uh, Who wrote that. Among the elves. But it refers to the. Rings that were given to the. Leaders of the different peoples. Three for the elves. Nine for kings of mortal men. Seven for dwarf lords. And one for Sauron. Who is using his to attempt to control the. Other ones. No success with the elves because he didn't directly involve himself in making them. With the mortal men, they did fall to the rings, they were ensnared, their wraiths now servants of Sauron. better known as the Nazgul, it had limited success with the dwarves. It didn't succeed in enslaving them or turning them into wraiths, but it did increase their already greed for gold and somehow actually helped them to get more of it, which may have, for one, contributed to... Dragons destroying their—it it probably contributed to what happened on the Lonely Mountain. I'm—I'm I'm sorry, my co-host uh, stepped out for a few minutes. We—I was just going on about the effects of the different rings. Oh,
1: okay. How it
0: turned the kings of men into Nazgul, <laughs> and it didn't work on the dwarves fully it increased their greed for gold but it didn't turn them into wraiths but with the the gold greed and the gold accumulation that did contribute I believe to for example Smog becoming interested in the Lonely Mountain and taking it over Thorin's father and grandfather both had um, one of the rings yeah
1: I came back in the room and I thought Nim had replaced me as the co-host.
0: Nim, you want a (laughs) co-host?
1: She seems to be.
0: (laughs) You want to give your warg opinions about the Hobbit?
1: (laughs) All right, Nim. Enough of this. Go back to laying down. I got this.
0: But the Three Rings of the Elves are hidden. Sauron does not as yet directly control them. He would have to actually have the one ring back if he wanted to do that. Yeah. He has gotten three of the dwarf rings back. And the other four dragons have consumed. I don't know what that means. Whether it means the dragons ate
1: it or. They consumed in the fire of the dragon. Something. I mean, because if they ate it, wouldn't they just come out the other end? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that wouldn't solve the problem. That would not. I'm sorry (laughs) I'm not
0: (laughs) and to this point Sauron thought the elves had destroyed the one ring and that it was gone but now he knows that it's been found and he is seeking it and all his thought is bent on it and that's when photo asks why wasn't it destroyed and if why would the enemy ever lose it if he's so strong and the ring is so precious to him? Um, it was taken from him when the the strength of men and elves was greater long ago. And the men of westernness and the elves, they had um, fought against Sauron. And Gilgalad, the Elven King, and Elendil of Westerness, that is Numenor, they overthrew Sauron, but were killed themselves in the battle. And Isildur, Elendil's son, cut the ring off of Sauron's hand and claimed it. So Sauron had been killed, sort of. The form that Sauron had taken, the physical form, had been killed, but Sauron's spirit was still around and could, you know, reform and become dangerous again, and he'd put enough of himself into the ring that unless the ring was destroyed, Sauron could come back, and it was um, the remaining shadow of Sauron that had taken shape in workward, as we said. And the ring was lost and fell into the great river Anduin and vanished. Now, I'm not sure when they actually explain why the ring was lost. So I'm going to explain it here. Isildur was given the opportunity to throw it into the volcano and get rid of it, and he chose not to. He kept wearing it. He kept you know, carrying it around,
1: and... I think the ring controlled the, a lot of where uh, it went. Yes. And with whom it went to. And, of course, the ring would not want to be destroyed. The ring
0: would not want to be destroyed. And, you know, Isildur, um... He was probably a good person, but, you know, he would have had things he was weak to, and... He kept the ring and eventually he was out with some men and got attacked by orcs and he put on the ring to disappear and went into the water Mm -hmm. and the ring fell off of his finger then and
1: Because the ring can change size. The ring
0: can change size, so the ring sank to the bottom and Isildur was shot by an orc arrow and died. And this happened in the Gladden Fields, which is the area near the Great River on the east side of the Lonely Mount- the No, sorry, the Misty Mountains. If you remember the Bjorn, the Bear Man. Right. That's south of where Bjorn was. Mm. So in these uh, dark pools amid the Gladden Fields, the Ring had passed out of knowledge and even legend, and only a few people even still knew about it. And even the wizards couldn't find more. But at that time, there were a people who were of somewhat a hobbit type, related to the forefathers of the stores, and they loved the river and swimming in it and making little boats out of reeds. And there was a family that was a larger and wealthier than most that was ruled by a stern and wise grandmother, and the most inquisitive and curious of them was named Smeagol who was interested in roots and beginnings and dived into deep pools and burrowed under trees and growing plants and tunneled into green mounds and ceased to look up at the hilltops or the leaves on trees or the flowers opening in the air his head and his eyes were downward and the most I can make of that is that maybe that is why the ring twisted him in the way that it did because, I don't know. He
1: yeah. was—he ended up deep under a mountain. Now, Smeagol is Gollum.
0: Smeagol is Gollum. Yeah. And the burrowing under trees and green mounds, that makes me... It's like on the one hand it's saying that these are like hobbits But that sounds more like something an animal would do Yeah Now this is before he got the ring Right And he and his friend who was named Deagle Who was of similar sort, sharper eyed but not so quick and strong He's often credited with being Smeagol's cousin And it's just his friend here Right I think that's up there with how people say Frodo is Bilbo's nephew, and really he's a cousin a bunch of times removed.
1: Right. And people... I know people who will say, oh, this is my my cousin so-and-so, or my uncle so-and-so, and actually it's maybe the cousin of an uncle, or, a you know, it's a d- different relationship than, you know, being said, but...
0: And they were fishing in their little boat. And a big fish took Deagle's hook and dragged him under. Because he didn't let go of his fishing pole. And he saw something shiny at the bottom of the river. And he let go of his fish and grabbed at the shiny thing and came up holding it. And... Right away, Smeagol just comes up behind him and, give us that Diggle, my love. I guess I shouldn't put on the Gollum voice yet. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> and you now it's his birthday. He wants it. Diggle says he's already given him a present, more than he can afford. He found it. He's going to keep it. And Smeagol just throttles him from behind and takes the ring. So something that's basically a hobbit sort of creature murders another one that he's friends with because he's got a ring and that's the effect it has.
1: And possibly, well, yeah, the ring... Made him do it.
0: But I think Smeagol may have been kind of a smeagol sort before. He got the ring... I can't picture like one of Frodo's friends saying, Oh, you got the ring, I'm just going to do you in right then and there and take it. I think Smeagol already was kind of a nasty sort well, before. I
1: also think Frodo kept it on the down low, and he did not share with others about the ring. I don't think they knew about it so much until... Later.
0: Now this happened far from the village of uh, Smeagol's folks. Mm -hmm. So he hid the body and didn't tell anyone and nobody um, truly found out. And he eventually figured out that when he had the ring on, he could uh, sneak around and... steal things, spy on people and No, he wasn't seen doing it, but he got suspected. They started disliking him and um kicking him and he would bite their feet. So oh, he's already going a bit feral. Yeah. It says the ring had given him power according to his stature. I mean, that means you know, he's a sneaky little hobbit it can make him an even sneakier,
1: sneakier little, little
0: hobbit up. meanwhile you see i think the, imp- the idea is that if a great ruler had the ring they might it might give them power toward more tyranny right. if a wizard got it it would increase their magic but in a dark way yeah sneaky little hobbit sneakier little hobbit And he'd taken to starting making gurgling noises with his throat, which I presume is because of how he killed Deagle. And that is when he got the name Gollum because of the noise he made. And the grandmother eventually kicked him out because she wanted peace in the family. And he wandered. He journeyed up the river, and he came to a stream that flowed out from the mountains... And he followed it. He ate fish that he caught while being invisible. And it was a hot day. and He saw the water coming out of a cave. Actually, no, no. He saw the mountains that the river was coming from and he followed them because he thought, oh, the mountains, there's gonna... It'll be cool if there's any caves under them. And he won't have the sun hot on him. Right. The sun is bothering him a lot, which I would also say is a thing from the ring, because... It's not normal to be as bothered by the sun as Gollum is. Right, right. I think this is much like the orcs that work for Sauron can't handle daylight. He went up into the mountain and... Under it and stayed there. It's in the dark for... The next 500 years. And she photos, like... Is that the same golem that Bilbo met? That's loathsome. And... Uh, Gandalf says it's a sad story. And it's, it could have happened to others. Even hobbits that he no- knows... Photo doesn't want to believe that Gollum is connected with hobbits in any way. Fair enough, that's creepy. Right. When I read The Hobbit, I didn't think Gollum was related to a hobbit. I thought he was, like, some weird uh, cave thing. Right. And him being some kind of hobbit makes him so much creepier. Right. And Gandalf points out that there were similar things in their background, in their minds, in their memories. They understood each other. They understood the same kind of riddles. So evidence in favor of that he was something of Hobbit type. Frodo's like, no, other folks use riddles too, and Hobbits don't cheat. Gollum meant to cheat.
1: Though I don't think uh, Bilbo asking what was in his pocket...
0: That was cheating.
1: That was not... I don't blame him under the circumstances. Yeah, but...
0: (laughs) And it says that even Gollum was not wholly ruined. I kind of am a little skeptical on that. And proved tougher than one of the wise would have guessed as a hobbit might a little corner of his mind was still his own and light came through it as though through a chink in the dark light out of the past and you know it was pleasant for me to actually hear a kindly voice but it made the evil part of him even angrier okay I suppose maybe there's the teensiest I wouldn't exactly call it hobbit like but Less evil side if that you kind of sort of see eventually later on, if I may drop a spoiler, but Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, there he is in the cave. The great secrets he wanted from under the mountains was just darkness. There wasn't anything more to find out. He was just Living there and eating fish and being resentful. Hated the dark, hated the light, hated everything and the ring most of all. And Frodo's like, what do you mean he hated the ring? It's the only thing he loves. And if he hated it, why didn't he get rid of it or go away and leave it? And Gandalf says he hated and loved it as he hated and loved himself and he couldn't get rid of it. He didn't have any will left in it. But the ring looked after itself and it can slip off treacherously as, as we talked about how the size of it changes. Right. And so the ring left Gollum. It wasn't getting anywhere with Gollum. The ring wanted more than being in the dark and being with some fish-eating weirdo that (laughs) isn't isn't bringing it back to Sauron isn't using it for anything other than sneaking around eating stuff (laughs) right. but Gandalf says that there's more than one power at work Um, Frodo had actually said well why did it go to Bilbo wouldn't an orc have suited it better well yeah and if an orc had gotten it, it probably would have gotten back to Sauron much quicker. Not that the orc would have given it willingly either. I'm sure they would have fought among themselves with it. And right. But Sauron would have gotten wind eventually that, you right. know, some orcs, like, rising in power and... Right. <laughs> now, I'm just putting in my own interpretation here. It didn't go... This explanation is not in the book about... What would have happened if an orc had gotten it? Just that Frodo thought an orc would have suited the ring better. Gandalf says that there's more than one... Power at work besides... So the... The ring had its own motives. But that Bilbo... Was meant to find the ring. And to this I think that... Gandalf is probably alluding to divine providence either from Eru or from the Valar so that the ring might eventually be destroyed right And this fire writing that was on the ring confirms that it is the same ring. And Gandalf had apparently been doing a lot of dark journeying and researching about it. He'd had to study Gollum to find his part in this. And Frodo was amazed that he had seen Gollum. He was not easy to find, but he managed it at last. Asked what had happened after Bilbo escaped from him. Gollum had not been especially willing to tell. He'd called it his birthday present and made the reference to his grandmother, But it was a lie with a grain of truth, and the murder of Deagle had haunted Gollum, and he'd convinced himself that it was his birthday present, because Daigle ought to have given it to him, and it was his birthday. And he eventually threatened Gollum with fire to make him tell the real truth. Gollum also said he wouldn't stand being kicked and driven into a hole and then robbed, and he had good friends now, good friends and very strong that would help him, and Baggins would pay. That's, um, ominous. And Frodo asked how, he, how that was found out. And as for the, as for the name, Bilbo had uh, given Gollum his real name unwisely hmm After all, what's the cave creature gonna do with it? Right. And his longing for the ring became more than his fear of the orcs or of going out into the light. So he had left the mountains, and even though he w- was still bound by desiring the ring, the ring was no longer directly devouring him. He began to revive a little... He still felt old, but less timid and mortally hungry. He still didn't want to be out in the sun or the moon. He'd come out at night. And he was following Bilbo's trail. What has it got in its pocketses? It wouldn't say no, precious little cheat. Not a fair question. It cheated first. It did. It broke the rules. We ought to have squeezed it. Yes, precious. And we will, Precious. And from little bits that Gollum said Gandalf had figured out that he had eventually tracked him as far as the Long Lake and Dale. And definitely heard more of Bilbo's name and where he came from. And he came to the Shire back westward as far as the Great River, but was turned aside. Why would he have turned aside? I don't understand. That sort of lends a little more credence to that fan theory that he had something to do with um, Frodo's parents' boating accident. Yeah. It's not confirmation. I mean, as it said itself, boats are tricky enough things without any talk of pushing or pulling. Mm hmm. But unless someone with maybe better math than me figures out the time frame is wrong, I don't know. the wood elves tracked Gollum through Mirkwood and back out again and there was all sorts of rumor of him in the woods and I'm sorry this is going to get uh, disgusting the woodsmen had stories of a ghost that drank blood and climbed trees to go for the nests and into animal holes for the young and that it also went after cradles so that's implying that Gollum ate babies? That's really, really dark? Yeah. I mean, even for Gollum?
1: Hello. Uh, I mean, I think of Gollum eating... What fish. And the occasional... Uh, Orcs. Or- yeah. That wandered down, maybe looking for fish, too.
0: And I'm like, yeah, Gollum, the Gollum from all the memes, I find Gollum kind of weirdly adorable in, like, a freaky little creature that eats fish kind of way, but, um, an opinion that, yeah, you don't share. You're like, no, nothing about Gollum is adorable, he's just creepy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, and he ate babies, that's disgusting. So, at the western edge of Mirkwood, the trail had turned away and he'd passed out of where the wood elves would be tracking him. And Gandalf decided not to worry about it right then because he had trusted the lore of Saruman, which is a mistake. But he eventually got Aragorn to help him track Gollum, a huntsman... Who you'll later uh, ha- have as a character a few chapters later on, living like near, like just beyond the edge of the Shire. And he tracked Gollum and eventually found him. Yeah, I believe this was actually. Like near the Dead Marshes or somewhere like that. They found him. And. Gollum would not say where he had been. But. He made a lot of like. Whining and cringing and rubbing his hands. And acting like his fingers pained him. As if he had been tortured. And the. So the best they could get of information, they got had reason to think that he had traveled all the way to the land of Mordor. That draws all wicked things as the Dark Lord is bending his will to gather them. And he has reason to be- believe that Gollum talked. You know, possibly under torture and now Sauron knows... That hobbits exist and that one of them has his ring. Yeah. And he knows it's not one of the elven rings, and it's not one of the seven, and it's not one of the nine because they are all accounted for, which only leaves it's his ring. And the name of Baggins is suddenly known. It's important, it's dangerous. And Bilbo's photo, he's like, this is terrible, why didn't Bilbo just stab Gollum when he had a chance? A pity that Bilbo did not stab that vile creature when he had a chance, in the famous quote from Gollum, pity, it was pity that stayed his hand, pity and mercy not to strike without need, And he has been well rewarded, Frodo. Be sure that he took so little hurt from the evil and escaped in the end because he began his ownership of the ring so, with pity. It being that... Because Bilbo had, you know, pity in his heart when he got the ring instead of, say, greed, it right. did not ensnare him. Right. Not not very much, anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: And Frodo, you know, says, but Gandalf and the elves, they let him live... After all of those horrible deeds. He is as bad as an orc. Just as much an enemy. He deserves death. I got kind of a mixed feeling there. I mean. Uh, ultimately. I probably would have. not felt comfortable like killing Gollum either but as far as somebody deserving it someone who's eaten babies is pretty far on the evil scale and if bilbo had done it that wouldn't have happened
1: did bilbo know no
0: bilbo didn't know but and you know, Bilbo was in threat of being eaten, yeah. it would have been self defense. But But
1: there's also Bilbo's nature. It
0: is Bilbo's nature
1: and <laughs> it is not
0: Bilbo's nature to do this. And it's not really something that um either of our natures would have wanted to do either. Right. And, ultimately, one of the themes of this book is that Bilbo was right to have not Mm -hmm. done this. And then, there is the other famous quote, deserves it, I dare say he does. Many that live deserve death, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death in judgment, for even the very wise cannot see all ends. And Gandalf hopes that Gollum can be cured before he dies and that there's a chance of it and he's bound up with the ring and his heart tells him that he has some part to play for good or ill before the end. We both know what that part is but it's a big enough spoiler we're not going to tell okay. you. Yeah. But I will also say lots of characters um, kill a bunch of names Uh, nameless, you know, orcs in this, and there's no oh, maybe the orc deserved mercy and that shouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why Gollum is different, except for that maybe he used to be a hobbit, but orcs used to be something else too. I'm not necessarily trying to say one thing or another here, just I'm um, bringing up the different uh, factors. But Gollum was not killed, and the wardells put him in prison and treat him with such kindness as they find in their wise hearts, whatever that um, means. And, you know, Frodo says, even if Bilbo couldn't kill Gollum, he wishes he hadn't kept the ring, he wishes he'd never found it, why didn't you make him throw it away or destroy it and uh, that's when gandalf was like haven't you been listening the rings have a way of being found someone would have found it and as for destroying it why don't we try right now could it be hammered or melted And even then, Frodo is is about to put it back in the fire again and he can't make himself do it. The ring already has enough over Frodo that he cannot put it into his own little fireplace. And Gandalf says, none of the fires here is going to be hot enough. None of the forges here are going to be hot enough. None of... No heavy sledgehammer is going to break it. Even the dwarves' forges would not do it. The only thing that might destroy it would either be dragon fire, possibly, but no dragon is left in the world with enough, a hot enough fire, and a dragon would also be unwilling to harm the ring, either. And for that, it was made by Sauron himself. So the only option left is to take it to the cracks of doom in the depths of Orodru and the Fire Mountain where it was forged and cast the ring in there. Cast it into the fire, just like the name of our podcast. That's right. So, yes, there is an active volcano in Mordor. I don't know if there's any active volcanoes elsewhere. I've seen it brought up. Like, Couldn't they have put it into any other volcano that's a bit that's less heavily guarded? Which is an interesting question. But I think the impl- the symbolic implication destroy it where it was made. Yeah. And. Frodo says he does wish to destroy it or to have it destroyed but he wasn't made for perilous quests and he wishes he'd never seen the ring why did it come to him why was it? Why was he chosen and Gandalf says these questions can't be answered and it was not meant for any merit that others do not possess not for power or wisdom at any rate but he has been chosen and he must therefore um, use the strength and wits that he has to do it the strength and heart and wits, and um, Bilbo says he doesn't have much of any of those things. But Gandalf is wise and powerful. Why doesn't he take the ring? And Gandalf is horrified. He springs to his feet and says, "He w- no. He would become too great and too terrible with that power, and the ring would take over him. And with the kind of power Gandalf already has, he could become like the Dark Lord himself." He would, if he took the ring, he might take it with pity and with desire to use the strength to do good. But eventually it would take over him too, and he would be like another Dark Lord. Meanwhile, outside the window, Sam is just walking along the path outside, whistling. And uh, Gandalf says to Frodo that the decision lies with him, and he will always help him with this burden, as long as it's his to bear. But he must do something, in soon, and the enemy is moving. I don't know to what degree it really is. Frodo's choice? I mean, what if Frodo's like, oh yeah, I like this ring, I'm keeping it. You really think Gandalf would have been like, okay, cool, uh... No. <laughs> and there's a long silence, and Gandalf is just smoking his pipe, and Bilbo is staring at his fireplace. And he's imagining he's looking into big wells of fire where the ring was made. And. Bilbo has come to a decision that he must keep the ring and he must guard it, at least for the present, whatever it does to him. And Gandalf says it may be slow, and slow to evil if he keeps it for that reason. And Frodo's, they hopes that Gandalf can find a better keeper for it soon, because he's a danger and a danger that all that live near him... He can't keep the ring and stay here. He's going to have to leave Bag End and leave the Shire and leave everything. He'd like to save the Shire if he can. He thinks the inhabitants are too stupid and dull for words at times. Really, Frodo? Really? (laughs) And felt that an earthquake or an invasion of dragons might be good for them. My goodness. No. I mean, I'm thinking of Turkey right now and being like, no. Yeah. But he doesn't feel like that now. He wants the shire to stay safe and comfortable. Okay, photo. Much more reasonable. And he shall find wandering more bearable if he knows that somewhere there's a firm foothold, even if his own feet can't stand there again. And he's often thought of going away, but he wanted it to be like a holiday or a series of adventures like Bilbo's and they end in peace. This is exile to flight from danger into other danger, drawing danger after him. And he's going to have to go alone if he's going to do that. And he feels very small and the enemy's so strong and terrible. And he doesn't tell Gandalf this, but he got to a great desire to go and follow Bilbo again. And maybe even find him. <laughs> and Gandalf's hobbits really are amazing creatures. <laughs> um, pardon me, I'll, I'll continue to talk, but um, our, the, the dog needs to be let out. You can learn all that there is to know about their ways in a month, and yet after a hundred years, they can still surprise you at a pinch. And he hardly expected to get this answer, not even from Frodo, but Bilbo didn't make a mistake in choosing an heir. But the ring will not be able to stay hidden in the Shire much longer, and for his own sake and others, he's going to have to go. He's going to have to leave the name of Baggins behind him because it's not going to be safe to use anymore either inside or outside of the Shire or in the wild, so he will give him the traveling name, Mr. Underhill. Uh, As far as I know, he doesn't have any Underhill relations, but it is a name. It's a name Hobbits are using. They use it in Bree, which will come into the story later. I have a friend named Underhill. I mean, in, in real life. So this is his name he's going to use so that nobody realizes he's Baggins, and he doesn't think he should go alone. He should find a friend that he trusts that would be willing to go into these unknown perils, but he has to be very careful in choosing this friend, even of his closest friends, because the enemy has many spies and many ways of hearing. And at that moment, all becomes very quiet, and Gandalf creeps to the window, And he goes to the sill and just reaches out his arm and pulls in Sam Gamgee by one ear. Who had been trimming the grass border under the window. He says, Lord bless you, Mr. Gandalf, sir. Which I find kind of a... a little bit anachronistic because... I don't really know why hobbits would be talking about the Lord in that way. Being not actually... ...religious, particularly even of Eru or the Valar. Um, Tolkien actually said that they weren't except for maybe some that um, had a lot of contact with elves. But nonetheless, Sam says, Lord bless you. When Gandalf asks him what he's been doing, and he says, nothing, leastways, I was just trimming the grass border under the window, if you follow me. Gandalf says, yeah, he hasn't heard the shears being used in a while. And how long has he been eavesdropping? And he's like, you know, we're eavesdropping, I don't follow you. There aren't any eaves at Bagan. That's a fact. Gandalf just says, don't be a fool. Why did you listen? And he looks so angry, and his brows are sticking out like bristles. And Sam is like, Mr. Frodo, sir, don't let him hurt me, sir. Don't let him turn me into anything unnatural. My old dad would take on so. I meant no harm. On my honor, sir. I don't know for a fact that, uh, the wizards have any powers related to churning people into anything. They'll, you know, turn someone into a toad thing. I haven't seen any sign that any of the wizards in Middle-earth, good or bad, do that sort of thing. And Frodo's like, he's not going to hurt you, but he knows that you didn't mean harm, but you got to answer his questions. Sam says he heard a deal he didn't understand about an enemy and rings and Mr. Bilbo and dragons and a fiery mountain and elves, sir. And he listened because he couldn't help himself because he loves tales of that sort. And he believes them, whatever Ted Sandyman might say. And elves, he would dearly love to see elves. And he would ask Frodo if he'd take him to go and see elves when he goes. And Gandalf laughed and was like, take you to see elves? You've heard that Mr. Frodo is going away? And he So he did hear, he's upset that Frodo is going, but he hopes that Frodo will take him with him to go and see elves, and Frodo says it can't be helped, he's going, that going from the Shire is going to mean many painful partings, and he's to keep it dead secret what he's heard, or he hopes that Gandalf will turn him into a spotted toad and fill the garden full of grass snakes. (laughs) that's cool, that means grass snakes live in Middle-earth I assume it's got all the regular snakes Europe has, but right. (laughs) oh, I was just going on about how Sam being all freaked out, don't let Gandalf turn me into anything unnatural and I said that I didn't think that wizards in Middle-earth, whether good or evil, do that sort of thing they might not even have that type of power because it never happened.
1: Well, nor, nor does Sam really know what no, wizards are capable of.
0: True that, true. And he's got an imagination. But I've seen the meme where uh, Sam is turned into a Samphibian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not by Gandalf as it happens. The, the, The part where Boromir is like, curse you all, halflings. And it's like, oh, well, what if that worked? Here is Sam the Samphibian and a few other uh, animals. (laughs) Gandalf says he's thought of something better than that and will punish him properly for listening and shut his mouth. He is going to go away with Mr. Frodo. And Sam is thrilled and springs up like a dog that's been invited for a walk. Me, go and see elves and all, hooray! And then burst into tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the end of the chapter. next chapter is three is company. Uh, about Sam's uh, elf fascination. Like...
1: I think Sam wasn't your typical hobbit, number one. Uh, no, he loved all the... He loved
0: all the stories from Bilbo and...
1: Yeah. So, I think Sam... Had tons more wanderlust in his mind and heart than...
0: The average hobbit?
1: Oh. Average hobbits, I don't think, had any.
0: Like, no, leave me with my food, my garden, my beer, and my uh, pub gossip, and, uh... (laughs) Right? Yeah. Okay, if... We in the real world were fascinated with elves. I mean, that would because it would represent like, getting into a story like this one. For a hobbit to be fascinated with elves, that's like, oh yes, I really want to see these tall people with pointed ears that definitely live just over this, over this way, and are definitely not fictional. But I think the idea is that to the Shire all that stuff is so away from them that it may as well be something out of a story. Yeah. And that is the end of the chapter. See, this first section of the book actually moves very slowly compared with the movie. Like, they aren't really out of the shire until um, chapter six, and then they're... Oh, they've just crossed over the edge of it. Um, did you have any any more you want to say about this?
1: Um, no. It it took me a while to get into it, but then I did and uh I actually have gone ahead a bit.
0: Into uh, chapter three, three is company.
1: I'm uh, into chapter four now. So, now my last full read of this
0: book was 2020. Uh,
1: Mine was probably in my childhood. I but, like, say. I
0: you know, had a crave to read Lord of the Rings again, and I did now, I know the story very well, but as you can see, I have kind of fumbled on details as to when in a chapter something happens, or... I was one of those
1: children that had...
0: Did photo talk to the strangers who were entering the Shire? Uh,
1: know who they were? Oh, you were, you were saying... I, oh, I was just saying that I was one of those weird children that had a mother who... Not only read to them, but read them Tolkien. And,
0: uh... Well, you were the one who suggested I read The Hobbit when I was eight. You were like, oh, it's got this creature who lives in a cave that says, where's my precious? And uh, that sounded interesting to me. Uh.
1: Then my mother did well in...
0: As I've said before, I didn't get into the main Lord of the Rings right away as a kid because the density of the chapters and uh, even that party chapter just seemed to go on and on with no adventuring happening and it it didn't even look like the story was going to be as much about Bilbo and yeah, you know, I bogged down more than once or didn't have enough attention span to the story that I would get confused about who Smeagol was, you know, the next book, and I didn't properly, fully read the book with decent comprehension and get all the way till the end, till I was 13.
1: That's fine.
0: And I read a lot of it, like, outside of the garden that I would, um, our family did volunteer work at, and, um when the part I was supposed to be working on was over, I'd go into the grass and read Lord of the Rings.
1: Yes, uh... We kind of had a hobbity existence. Tending a garden. More like Sam Gamgee's family than, uh... (laughs) The Baggins.
0: None of us have ever been Bilbo-rich, even pre-Dragon Gold...
1: Yeah. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: like Bilbo gets to have all the home-like Hobbit stuff, but he doesn't really have to work in it, except for... um. Okay, he does his own cooking, and I think it's... I think he enjoys it.
1: Yeah, well, if I owned Bag End and had all the... <laughs> sellers of uh, provisions and such like that. Uh, I'm sure he wasn't uh, really want for anything.
0: But he certainly isn't having to grow or hunt or farm his own stuff. He can go and buy it from someone else who did. and
1: He can have somebody else do it on his land. Right, Nim?
0: I don't know that he has all that much land beyond back End. I think he's just got a little bit he yeah,
1: has a garden. He's got a
0: garden. I don't know how much of the hill above his hobbit house is his. I don't know how that works.
1: Well, I <laughs> would hope if my hobbit house was in a hill, I owned the hill. Just because I wouldn't want anybody doing something. They like, don't be above excavating me. in my
0: roof. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah. And you see pictures occasionally of uh, Bag End having a tree growing above the at the top of the hill. Have you seen pictures like that, Sarah? Where a tree's growing out above? I, I might have.
0: I think the party tree is be- below the hill. But...
1: Well, this is just a tree.
0: I'm looking at some of these Hobbit family trees in the back. Anyhow, um... <laughs> we we will continue and go on to um, chapter three, Three is Company. We will eventually do the um, Ralph Bakshi, Lord of the Rings. Although I have not really gotten around to taking very many notes on it. It's going to be pretty arduous. But it will be worth it when it's made. Um, we will do the next Game of Thrones, which I want to say is a Catelyn Stark chapter. There will be more Red Wall. I can't say exactly when.
1: But anyhow, thank you for listening. Uh, mm. hope you don't mind our tangents that we go on sometimes. Um, and our interruptions, namely Nim, the little warg. And uh, look forward to having you back again with us real soon.
0: Thank you for listening to Cast the Fire podcast, and have a good day.